Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Chad. Take your Bibles and go to Exodus chapter number 32. The book of Exodus chapter number 32. And I really appreciated that song. Wasn't that a very uplifting, Christ-honoring song? Fantastic. And go to Exodus chapter 32 this evening. You found your place. Let's stand together out of respect for the reading of God's Word. Exodus chapter 32. Let's stand together out of respect for the reading of the Word of God. We are... On Sunday evenings, working our way through the book of Exodus. So the study that we began, uh, I guess a year and a half, maybe a little bit longer than that, um, or uh, ago. And we are continuing to walk our way through. You'll remember that last week we were in chapter 24. So our, our Bible teaching and preaching method at First Baptist is next chapter, next verse, and we walk systematically through God's Word in that way. It is a good thing for us to do. These are good disciplines for us to have. First, as God's people, man, we know what to expect because we're going to walk right through the whole counsel of God. Second, it holds our teaching, our preaching, our pastors, it holds them accountable to make sure that they are teaching and preaching God's Word. That they aren't just jumping around from favorite passage to favorite passage and avoiding some of the more difficult ideas that the Bible presents to us. But this way, man, we are held accountable as pastors and teachers and preachers to the Word of God. So with that being said, why do we go from chapter 24... And then fast forward to chapter 32, okay? And here's the answer. Because what happens in chapter 24, Moses goes up the mountain, he takes the elders up with him, 74 in all, you remember that last week, teaches us what worship is. Then he descends, and then God calls Moses up the mountain alone. That's how chapter 24 ends. In fact, here's what it says in verse 12. And the Lord said unto Moses, come up to me in the mountain and be there. And I will give thee tables of stone and a law and commandment, which I have written that thou mayest teach them. So Moses and Joshua, not the 70 elders, not Aaron, not Nadab, not Abihu. Just Noah, or or, or just Moses and Joshua, go up the mountain at this point. Look at the end of the chapter. Chapter 20, chapter 24, verse 18. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. Okay, so the 40 days and the 40 nights begins in verse 1 of chapter 25. So that's what's, chapter 25, 6, 7, that's everything that's happening on the mountain with Moses or between Moses and God. What's happening on earth, right? Or, Or ground level, not on earth, it's all on earth. What's happening ground level, right? Look at verse 32 or chapter 32, verse 1. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down, 
out of the mount. Okay, so what I want to do in our study of Exodus is I want to take this chapter 32 and I want to take the next three weeks and walk through this chapter and help us understand what's happening on ground level, right? Ground zero. What's happening down here? So Moses is up here. He's getting the law and the tables and the commandment and the stone. What's happening down here? And, and why does this matter? Why is it important to know what's happening on the mount? And why is it important to note what's happening down here on at ground level? Okay, so chapter 32, verse 1. Moses is in the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Moses has been up there for a while, long enough that the people saw that he delayed. Okay? Look at verse 32, about halfway through the verse. And the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron. And they said unto him, up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, where well, we what not, what has become of him? Okay, so they, they, go to, they go to Aaron, Moses' brother, who's been with him through this entire process, and they say, Aaron, we don't know what happened to your brother. We don't know what happened to the guy that brought us out here. We don't know what happened to the guy that led us here. We, he went up the mountain. He, he, hasn't, he hasn't come back down in some time. And, and obviously there's a problem. There's, there's, no, there's no word back from him. There's no phone call. There's no email. There's no text message. There's no smoke signal. There's no Joshua coming down. Hey, it's all okay. Don't worry. He's, he's getting... No, there's no word. So Moses... Or, 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 so Aaron, up, make, make us gods so that we can go after them. Look at verse number two. And Aaron said unto them, don't do that, you foolish Israelites. Don't you remember everything that you've been taught these last three months? Be done with your adulterous ways. Is that what it says? So it would, be, it would be easy if that's, like, okay, now we're on to Joshua, right? No. So Aaron says, break off the golden earrings, which are in your ears, of your wives, of your sons, of your daughters, and bring them to me. And all the people said, no, you know what, you're right, we shouldn't do this because we serve the living God who delivered us out of, is that what it says? And all the people break off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, and they brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, these be thy gods. These be thy gods. Listen to it. Here's your God, Israel. This is what he looks like. Here's your God. Listen. Which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. What? Which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw, when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. He made a proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast. Look at it. Tomorrow is a feast unto the molten calf. Is that what it says? 
Tomorrow's a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Here's the title of the sermon. When sin rises up. When sin rises up. I believe there are some very distinct things that happen in this chapter which will serve you and me as a way to identify in our hearts and lives when sin, look here, when sin is on the rise. You remember where we left the children of Israel last week? I remember, how many remember their response last week? You remember what they were saying last week? All the words of the Lord we will do and be obedient in. Moses delays his coming. It's not going like they thought they was going to go. Up. Make us gods. These will be our gods. Our Heavenly Father, we ask that you would use Father, this passage of Scripture to help us identify those, those idolatry moments in our hearts and lives. Father, that lead us away from you, cause us to sin against you, separate us from you. Father, I pray that you would teach us great and wonderful truths out of your word. And in Jesus' name we pray. And all church said together, amen. amen. I'm not going to make an excuse for the children of Israel. It's going to sound like that in the introduction, but it really isn't an excuse. It's just an identifier of what's happening in the text. Okay, so I want you to stay with me all the way through the introduction and don't just write it off at the very beginning. But for these Israelites, Moses is gone for what is to them a very long time. And Moses has been with them every day from the very beginning of the Exodus. In fact, one Bible commentator says it's likely that Moses has probably not been out of their presence for more than one or two days at the most. You'll remember earlier on in Exodus, the children of Israel, all of them, they're all coming to Moses with all their issues. He's hearing every scenario. And then his father-in-law Jethro shows up and says, you can't, you can't keep going at this rate. Appoint governors, appoint leaders, appoint magistrates that the people can talk to them. They can declare back the words of the Lord to them or they can bring those issues to you. So they've been coming to, they've not only seen Moses, but they've been coming to Moses for, for almost every kind of uh, issue or problem that they have had up till this point. And now, verse 1, Moses has delayed to come down out of the mountain. 
He doesn't send Joshua down. They have no idea if he's dead. I'm certain that they probably assume that he is. They don't know when he's coming back. They feel abandoned. They feel scared. They feel threatened. They feel vulnerable. They're in a land that they aren't comfortable with. They're in a season. They're in a place that they aren't used to spending time in or at. And it is in that moment... It is in that moment of their worry, of their fear, of their, of their distress that they return to the gods, small g, of which they were most familiar trusting. It's in the time of their fear. It's in the time of their worry. It's in the time of their disappointment that they return to the old habits that they had while they were in Egypt. Make note, when you're scared, when you're under stress, when you're fearful, you always return to the old ways of doing it. Before you accepted Christ as your Savior, you had certain sinful patterns in your life. You had a certain way in which you dealt with the problems that came your way. Even after you were saved, perhaps before you've grown in your Christian walk, you developed certain patterns, certain ways in which, certain habits in which this is how you deal with the problem that is in front of you. It's, it's a way of, of finding security. It's a way of finding identity. It's a way of finding some sort of meaning in a meaningless world. It's a way of finding direction for those who are perhaps in a chaotic moment. This is what happens for them. In their time of stress, in their time of pressure, in their time of vulnerability, in their time of loneliness, they return, look here, they return to what they've always known. What do you tend to trust in alongside of God? I think that's probably one of the greatest truths in the early part of this text. Do you notice the language? Here's our God who brought us out of Egypt. Here's our God that we'll feast to tomorrow because this is a feast to the Lord. You notice the language? It's not that they're trusting only in the golden calf. It's that they're trusting in the golden calf alongside of the God who specifically told them to not have any false idols among them. And that this is really one of the great ironies. Here it is. Moses is on top of the mountain receiving instruction for what will be tabernacle and temple worship. God is telling Moses when Moses is on the mountain, here's how the people will worship me. Here's where they can go. Here's the court they can enter. Here's the holy of holies where there no one's allowed to enter except the high priest. Moses is on the mountain receiving instruction for how God demands to be worshipped. And here are the people at ground zero saying, let's worship God how we want. Let's make up the, our own rules. 
Let's, let's fashion our own statutes. Let's build our own idols. Let's decide for ourselves what God must like, dislike, look like, be like, and provide for us. I'm certain that you know you need God in your life. But I'm also certain that we all have a tendency to say, yes, I need God, but I also need this. What is the this for you? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I need God. That's, I definitely need that. I definitely need him. But I also need this job. But I also need this security. But I also need this affirmation. But I also need this relationship. But I also need... How do you identify what that is? Well, if you want to know what the, this is that you are trusting in... Look at where you turn reflectively. Look at where you turn instinctively. Look at where you turn almost unknowingly. What's the, what's the first place you go to look? Where's the first thing you run to? Who's the first person that you run to? In times of great stress, where do you turn? Where do you turn for purpose? Where do you turn for meaning? Where do you turn for safety? Where do you turn for security? Where do you turn for identity? Where do you turn for these things? L let me just in the introduction, let me, let me make a couple things of application quickly. Where do you turn to escape a bad home environment? When things at the house aren't going good, where do you turn? Is, is, is the instinct, is, is the reflex, is it to run to God? Is the instinct, is the reflex to run to Christ? Is the instinct, is the reflex to run to his word? Or is the, I mean, when the stress at home is just too much, is the instinct, is the reflex to run to, man, the bottle? Man, some sort of suppress it? Some, some sort of other affirmation along the way? Where, where do you turn? Where do you turn when you feel threatened? Where does your mind go when you have absolutely nothing to think about, so you're free to think about anything? Where does your mind go? What's the first thing you wonder about? It's interesting how these habits, how these reflexes, how these instincts, how they take over without even realizing it. Sitting in the car, waiting to pick up the kids after the school, you grab the phone. What's the first instinct? What's the, what's the first place you run to look? In the morning. And we could come up with all kinds of different scenarios. Where do you, where do you spend... Where do you spend the bulk of your money? Where, where, do you, where do you effortlessly and easily 
spend energy or time or resources. Because whatever those things are, whatever that would look like or whatever that would be for you, that's, chances are that's exactly where the idol rests. That's exactly where the idol is. And, and notice, notice the people have all kinds of reasons for why they're doing this. Well, Moses isn't here. Well, Moses isn't here. And, and, and since Moses isn't here, we have to have some sort of a reason. Listen, everyone finds a reason. Look close enough, you'll find a reason. Want a reason for why you should get to leave that relationship? You'll find one. You want a reason for why you should have that relationship? You'll find one. You want a reason for why you should do certain things or not do certain things? You'll, you'll find one. Look close enough. You'll, you'll find all kinds of reasons to justify and rationalize why it is that you are doing that thing that you've set out to do. I want you to notice this. Moses' absence is not what caused the situation. Moses' absence is not what caused the idolatry in their heart. Moses' absence only revealed the idolatry in their heart. You should catch that point. It's a very important, important point. Moses' absence is not what caused the circumstance. It's not what caused the idolatry in the heart. Moses' absence is what revealed that there was idolatry in the heart. Watch. Is it great little illustration to, to, to show this to show this point? Okay? Watch. You are you watching? Boys and girls, pay close attention, okay? Ready? Look here. This is this is gonna be a good illustration to help you understand this. Moses' absence is not what caused the idolatry. Moses' absence is what revealed the idolatry. Watch. What caused the water to spill onto the floor? What's the answer? Me, okay, me. I caused the water to spill onto the floor. And in the same way, the children of Israel are arguing, we don't need a golden calf because if Moses were here, we wouldn't be doing this. But Moses has delayed his coming. He isn't here. So the reason we're building a calf is because Moses isn't here. What caused the water to spill onto the floor? You said me. Okay, now watch. What caused the water to spill onto the floor? You see, what causes the water to spill onto the floor? Watch. What causes the water to spill onto the floor in that cup? And what causes no water to spill onto the floor in this cup is what? There's no water in the cup. Same cup. Same color, same size, same fantastic First Baptist Church logo design. You can pick these up for $1.99 in our bookstore. Plug. What caused the water to be spilled onto the floor? Here's the answer. 
What caused it to be spilled onto the floor is the water was in this cup and there was no water in this cup. So the same hand knocked both cups over. The hand that knocked the cup over only revealed what was already in the cup. It wasn't Moses' absence that caused idolatry. It was the people's heart that caused idolatry. Moses' absence only reveals that there was idolatry already there. So it is in our own lives. So it is in our own lives. Well, I wouldn't have the problems I'm having if it wasn't for... Right? Well, I, well, I wouldn't get as angry as I get if oh, she just makes me so mad. No, 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 no. It's not her. It's not him. It's not them that's causing that to happen in you. That is what is already there. They're only revealing that it exists in the heart. Are you tracking me on that point? So watch here. Stop making excuses for every idol that you keep building into your life as a reason because of him, because of her, because of them, because of that. We've said this over and over. It's called a personal relationship with God, which means this. It is personal and it's a relationship with you and God. Well, I'd go to church more, but you know that. I mean, that, I don't. I, there's this one guy down there, and I just don't really like him. Or I'd go if I didn't. I mean, well, are you going to church for him, or are you going to church for God? Is church about him, or is church about God? Well, I just tried the whole church thing. You know, church. They just, you know, they got people down there. They did some stuff I don't like, and the carpet is ugly, and the hallway, and, and, and the pastor didn't shake my hand, and blah 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 blah. blah. Well, see, we can find all kinds of reasons for blaming someone else. And guess what? We walk right in the same line as the children of Israel. And we read this passage and we go, these children, these Israelites, man, they are foolish. I can't believe that they would come up with all kinds of reasons for why they're building little golden calves and statues worshiping God. I mean, how foolish can they be? I would be happier at church if it wasn't for... You see how we do the same thing? Are, are you with me? Some of you look like you're not with me. Do I need to keep going on this point? Fill up, fill up the cups again. Let's, let's run that back. They don't. No, no, no. It, it's what was already in the cup. It, it wasn't him. It wasn't her. It wasn't this. It wasn't that. Him, her, this and that only revealed what was already there. Don't, don't miss that truth. So stop making excuses. Stop justifying. Stop rationalizing. Stop pointing it to everyone else. And accept the full measure of responsibility 
that the children of Israelite, that the children of Israel and you and me have little idol making factories in our hearts and we love to make idol after idol after idol to go alongside God. To go alongside God. Man, it's not just that. The children of Israel should have removed those idol making habits. You remember just a few chapters ago, Moses gives them the commandments. Just a few chapters ago, they're living obediently. Just a few chapters ago, they're saying, whatever the word of the Lord is, give us that and we'll be obedient to it. Now, all of a sudden, listen, the, the time frame from the Exodus, so the going out of Egypt to chapter 32. Do you know how long this has been? This has been, ready, drum roll. It's been three months. It's been three months. Moses goes up the mountain for 40 days. So, and then this is happening. So you're looking at like three and a half months. Three and a half months in and the children of Israel are already going, you know what, all that stuff God said, I don't know about all that. All I know is we need to build a golden calf because that's obviously going to be our savior. Start removing habits. Start removing those old sinful habits, those things that you're prone to run toward instead of running toward the Lord. Third, make a conscious effort to depend on the Lord. Here's what they say. Moses has gone too long. Moses isn't really here. God isn't really here. We need a God who's touchable. We need a God who's close. We need a God that we can hold on to. We need a God that we can see. Our God isn't here, so we need a God that we can touch. Here's the question. Was God there? The answer is yes. The answer is yes, God was there. And yet, and yet they couldn't feel him. But simply because they couldn't feel him does not mean that he wasn't right there in front of them. We are all prone to measure God or what we think about God based on what we see rather than what God said. We're all prone to measure God or what we think about God based on what we see, based on how we feel, based on what we can rationalize, as opposed to understanding and accepting who God is and what God is doing simply off of what he said. What did he say? He said he would be their God. He said he would fight for them. He said he would lead them. He said he would guide them. He said he would feed them. And in fact, he has been feeding them. Remember? Like, like food is literally falling from the sky. And they go, eh, this, no, that God is obviously not trustworthy. So let's build ourselves a golden calf. Last week, Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. This week, Aaron Aaron, do what we ask you to do. Instead of listening to the words of the Lord, they are commanding Aaron to do what they have asked. There are a group of people who are too busy speaking and not spending enough time listening. I'll say that again because some of you need it. There are a group of people 
who are too busy talking instead of listening. What should they have done in their moment of fear, in their moment of stress, in their moment of worry? What should they have done? They should have gone to Aaron. They should have gone to the governors and they should have said, remind us again what the word of the Lord is. Aaron, stand up and teach the word of the Lord like Moses did so we can be reassured that God has not abandoned us. And instead of listening, what are they doing? Moses, let me tell you some ideas about how we can make this a little more culturally relevant. I think the younger crowd will like the golden calf thing. It'll be inviting to other people. The children of Israel aren't four months removed from the Exodus. And what do they already want to be like? They already want to be like all the other nations. Remember when they go to... Uh, they, they, they go to the prophets and they say, give us a king, give us a king, give us a king, give us a king. Why do you want a king so bad? We want a king because we want to be like everybody else. Remember that? It was early on too. It was early on too. Man, when sin rises up. All right, a couple things. Let's do it quick. When sin rises up, notice what happens here. Man, they disobey the word of the Lord. Number one, they disobey the word of the Lord. With the golden calf, the children of Israel broke the first commandment. Up, make us gods who shall go before us. No other gods before you, that's the first commandment. They break the second commandment. The second commandment, no graven images, no statues. No no, no making idols of of wood or or gold or, or bronze or silver or whatever it is. The Bible says in verse number four that Aaron fashioned it with his own hands. He fashions it with, with, he carves it out. That's going to be really funny later on when Moses comes down. Okay, funny is not the right word. (laughs) It's going to be really ironic later on because when Moses comes down, he goes, where did this thing come from? And Aaron's going to respond to to Moses. He's going to say, I don't know. We just put the gold in it. Out popped the cow. Like, because that's the way it goes, right? You just take all your gold, you throw it in the fire, then poof, a golden statue of a cow. That's how it always happens, right? The, the, the intent from Aaron in verse number four, man, he received it at their hand. He fashions it with a graving tool, right? He, he made it a molten calf. He's, he's, he's very carefully scripting and, and, and carving this thing out. They break the first commandment. They break the second commandment. It's certainly true. They break, the th- they, uh, they break the third commandment, not taking the name of the Lord their God in vain. Here's what they say in verse number four. These be thy gods, O Israel. They declare the, this statute, they declare this idol to be God. They make a, they make a feast to it. They, they sit down and they eat a feast. This feast is in honor of God who looks like that. Finally, more than likely, they broke the seventh commandment, no, no adultery. Look at the end of verse number six. To eat, to drink, they rose up to play. The, the, the word play there, you, you have to compare scripture with scripture. You're comparing scripture and scripture. Jump over to verse number 25. Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies. 
1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul gives a recount of the events that happened at the, at the statue, the, the golden calf, the worshiping of it. And then he moves, in 1 Corinthians 10, he moves from the bowing down to this idol, this golden calf. Then the next verse he says, and this is what created this, this sexual immorality that was prevalent among the children of Israel at this time. So Paul makes that comparison. The, obviously the Hebrew strikes at that as well. So, so to, to, when it says they rose up to play, it doesn't mean they went outside and they, they threw frisbees around. Okay, that's not, that's not what he's talking about. They played gaga ball. Like that, no, that's not, what, that's not what he means. It was something sensual. It's hard to imagine that these people engage in pagan worship with a pagan God with also, without also acting like pagans in the process. It's true. Engage in pagan worship to a pagan God, you end up acting like a pagan in the end. So, so think about it. God's telling Moses, here's what I want worship of me to look like. And down on earth, what are they doing? They're deciding for themselves what the worship of God looks like. And they're disobeying the commandments of the Lord. Sin disobeys the word of God. First and foremost. Sin disobeys the word of God, first and foremost. Hide God's word in your heart, because when you do, thou shalt not sin against the Lord. This is, this, is what, this is one of the reasons why you ought to memorize the Bible. One of the reasons why you ought to memorize verses. Why? Because it keeps you from sinning against the Lord. Sin disobeys the word of God. Second, sin rejects the character of God. Sin rejects the character of God. God, we've said we, the very, I don't know, first five or six sermons in Exodus, we said Exodus is God making himself known. Here's what I'm like. Here's what I look like. Here's how I am. Here's what my character is. Here's what my, here's what my power is. Here's, here's the kind of God I am. And now as my people and I'm your God, don't make graven images to me. Don't, don't make false idols to me. Don't, don't build statutes to me. Worship me as the living God. Sin says back to God, God, I don't like you. I don't like the way you are. I don't like the character you have. I don't like the things that you've said. I don't like the way in which you're operating. I don't like the way in which you look. So now I'm going to fashion my own idea of what you must look like and be like in order for me to worship. What's a, what's a really hurtful thing to, to say to your parents? Or, or, your, or your brother or sister or your friend, right? What's a really hurtful thing? Something like, I hate you. That's, that's, that's hurtful. If you, if you say that to someone, if someone's ever said that to you, I hate you. And that's, that's, a, that's, that's difficult. That's difficult to handle. What's worse than that? Uh, I wish you were never born. That's hard to handle. That's, that's very difficult to process. Most people are too nice to say either of those two things. Most people are never bold enough to say, I hate you or I wish you were not born. So, so we're nicer than that. So we say things like this. Why do you have to be the way that you are? Oh, the way you are. I just hate the way you are. That's, that's what the children of Israel are saying to God. 
Oh, we don't like you. We don't like how you are. We don't like the things you say. We don't like the way you reveal yourself. We don't like the things you've asked us to do. We don't like the character that you have. We don't like the way you are. So we're coming up with a new way. We're building a new idea. This is, in essence, what they're saying to God. Notice this. They're not denying that God exists. They're not saying there is no God. What they're saying is, we don't like the way that God has made himself known, so let's come up with our own version of God. Now, that, that's a very important lesson. Man, sin disobeys the word of God. Sin rejects the character of God. Third, sin wastes the blessings of God. That's verse number two. Break off the golden earrings. Okay, so put your Bible student hat on for a second. They're, they've been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. Now they've been wanderers in the wilderness for the last three and a half months. Where did they get the gold? Does anybody remember? Where did they get the gold? Right, so remember God's, God leads them out, the, 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 the signs, the judgments, we call them the plagues, the signs, the judgments. They go out, and what does God do, right? God intercedes even while they're exiting. God comes in and causes the, uh, the Egyptians to reach into their pockets, break open their piggy banks, grab all their family heirlooms and go, here, the Bible literally says they spoiled them with jewels and treasures and gold on their way out. Remember that? So the children of Israel, they finally, let my people go. Finally, Pharaoh says, let them go. And on their way out, all the Egyptians are like, here, take, take, my, take my jewelry. Just get out of here. We don't, we don't like you. Go, leave, right? So this, this group of slaves for 400 years, desert wanderers, gypsies, for four months has all this gold. It was this... It was like this way of God going, hey, just so you know, I can provide for you in all kinds of ways. Like, like I can even make those people give you their treasure. How many of you are like that? Yeah. You get, to the, you get to the office tomorrow, that boss who's just been mean to you, he's like, hey, here you go, my new car. You can have it because you're an outstanding guy and a good dad and obviously you love the Lord. So here, please only say good prayers for me, right? You're like, yeah, thank you. Fantastic. Man, this is, this, this, these golden earrings were, it's, it's why we call it wasting the blessings of God. It was a way in which God was just giving extra favor to his people. He didn't have to do that. It's just a way that he gave extra favor to them. And they literally take the gold out of their ear and say, we know that this was extra favor from you. We know that this was a sign of how you were going to provide for us. But we want to build an idol with it. It's like a husband taking his, his wedding band, pawning it in order to buy a hotel room so he can hook up with a lady from the office. That, that, was a, that was a sign. It was a, it was a token. That was supposed to mean something special. And you, you just wasted it. 
on gratifying your own flesh. Look here. Sin wastes the blessings of God. Sin fails to realize the small things that God is doing in your life every day. In a ways, every good gift and every perfect gift coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Every good thing you have in your life is a gift from God. And sin says, yeah, I don't really need all that. Let me just build my own idol. Sin disobeys the word of God. Sin rejects the character of God. Sin wastes the blessings of God. Last one. Sin corrupts the worship of God. Sin corrupts the worship of God. How many of you remember last week? We, we, we got to the end of last week. Remember, the, there, there are people of the book. There are people of the blood. There are people of the bread. How many of you remember that, right? And, and, and when, they be, when, they be, when they step into being people of the bread and the blood, remember, remember all the signs? The altar, the sacrifice, the blood, the, the gathering together, making making offerings to the Lord. How many of you remember that happening last week in the text? Okay, listen, listen to what Aaron's doing in the same thing. But, but how he's not ascribing this to the Lord, he's ascribing this to a golden calf. Look at the end of the text. So, so this is verse 5. And when Aaron saw it, he built, what is that? He built an altar just like they built an altar in chapter 24. Now, now Aaron's building an altar now. Just like they built an altar in chapter 24 for real true worship of God. Now they're building an altar for false worship of this golden calf. When Aaron builds an altar, he makes a proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Remember last week? What do they do? They feast, they eat. What's the feasting? What's the eating? What, what is this all a sign of? It's... It's a sign of fellowship, right? Remember we, we talked about eating together is a sign of fellowship. It, it's a sign of camaraderie. We, we eat together after we celebrate big events. There's a wedding. We all go downstairs. We eat, right? Well, why? Well, we're all celebrating. We're commemorating. This is, what, this is what they do with the Lord. Oh, our God, he intercedes for us. He gives us his word. Let's, let's eat to that. Let's fellowship with that. Let's, let's celebrate that. Now here they are, building an altar. Just like they did in 24 to God, now they're doing to the golden calf. Man, now what are they doing? Now they're having a feast. Just like they did in 24 to the one true God of the, of, of, of the universe, now they're doing to this golden calf. Look at this. It gets even worse. It gets even worse. Look at verse 6. And they rose up early on the morrow, and they offered burnt offerings. They make sacrifices to God. Chapter 24, they make sacrifices to God. Remember, they take, they take the blood, they put it into two basins, the one base, the one basin, they throw at the altar, the other basin, they sprinkle over the people, they consecrate those people to, to the Lord God. We will be people who will obey God, consecrated wholly to him, the blood sprinkled on them. Remember that? And now what are they doing? They're doing the same thing, but they're doing the same thing to who? And they're doing the same thing to this golden calf. Sin disobeys the word of God. Sin rejects the character of God. Sin Waste the blessings of God. Last one. Sin corrupts the worship of God. They're twisting, in particular Aaron, is twisting and perverting this sacramental meal. 
that they enjoyed with the one true God of the universe in order to worship their so-called gods. Okay, application, this is it, we're done. We look back at this and we can go, how in the world could they be so dumb? You are so dumb. That's what we think. We look at them, how in the world could they be so dumb? And that's exactly what you ought to say. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit would have you to say. You should look at the children of Israel and go, how in the world could they waste the blessings of God like they did? How in the world could they be disobedient to the word of God like they were? How in the world could they reject the character of God like they did? How in the world can they corrupt the worship of God like that? You should do that. And then you should go, I wonder if I am doing those same things. Right? You should take that same spotlight and you should go, now let me turn that around and use that on myself. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians, that ye might not desire evil as they did. These things are for you to look at them and go, I can't believe that. And then turn that light around and go, I, I wonder... I wonder if I've been disobedient to the word of the Lord. I wonder, I wonder if I've rejected certain things about God's character simply because I don't, I don't like it. It isn't the way I would do it. It's not my plan. It's not my, it's not my timing. So I'm re rejecting certain things. I wonder if I'm wasting blessings that God has given to me. I wonder if I'm wasting gifts and opportunities and abilities that God has in his good favor poured out on me over and above even salvation. I, I wonder if I'm wasting those. And, and I, I wonder if even sitting here in a church like this, singing songs like that, having preaching like this, coming to an altar like that, I wonder if I'm even corrupting what's real true pure worship of who God is and what God expects. I wonder if I see my offering as the giving of myself to the Lord or if I see my offering of, ah, oh, here we go again, we gotta give the offering. Maybe I can just, maybe if it's, I'll, I'll, I'll double up next week and then maybe, oh, here we go again with this singing thing. I don't know why we do this singing thing. I mean, Chad comes in here, he wants everybody to go up on their calves like we're having a calf workout now. I said, I wonder, I, listen, church, I wonder if we're guilty of the same things. I don't want to be guilty of that. I don't want sin rising up in my heart and in my life. And so, Lord, if that's in me, try me, search me. Know my heart, and if there be any evil way in me, get it out. Get it out.